Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. This episode, we've got Blair Rabin from the amazingly named uh, account Talk Purity to me. Uh, I'm really excited to chat with her about the purity movement, about purity culture, about all kinds of things um, around that world uh, and hear her journey. But before I start, I just wanted to let you guys know, as you know, everything I do is free. Um, I'll talk to people for hours on end about their process and and help them deconstruct and help them on their journey. Um, I put out all these podcasts. I put out my teaching resources. It's all free. And and I'm really committed to that because um, so many of us have been burned um, coming out of Christianity. uh, Just felt like we've poured money in over and over. And it feels like half the time someone comes out uh, with something new, it feels like they're there to sell a book, to sell another CD. And so I've never wanted to give that, um, that, kind of vibe and and hurt people that have already been hurt so much uh, or at least trigger people that have already been hurt so much um, that is never going to change I'm always going to do everything I do for free um, but one of the things that that has um, meant is I haven't been able to thank those that um, do give to me the, the way I can do this all for free full-time is because people generously give me a few bucks a month and things like that um, and, and right now I make about 1500 bucks a month. That's how we get by. Uh, it doesn't go far in the UK, but it is hugely appreciated. And, and I wanted to make a, um, a way, I wanted to create a way I could say thank you to people that are giving. Um, and, and that was hard because everything I do is free. Um, so I came up with a new um, discussion group that's going to be private. It's going to be just for people that are supporting me. Um, you can do that through becoming a partner or um, over on Patreon. Um, any amount of money given um will give you access to that i don't want it to be a high pay entry bracket or anything almost anyone could kind of um support if they want um but i really wanted to give people um as a thank you um something and, and i think that would be a great way to thank people to create this um discussion group we're, we're already in the la- last week having amazing discussions on there about mental health about how to deal with family members when you're deconstructing um about different social justice issues about theology and uh, weird and crazy funny stories of our past and deliverances and all sorts of great stuff um and it would be great um, for any of you that, that love what I'm doing, love that I'm able to do it for free, um, my heart to do it for free, that want to support what I'm doing um, and would love to be a part of that community, uh, I'd love for you to check it out. Um, it would mean a great deal to me. Um, you can do that over at phildrysdale.com partner or you can go search me on Patreon, just Phil Drysdale. Um, that would mean the world. Um, of course, there's never any need to give. I will still talk to you for five hours a day on Instagram. I will still put out these resources for you to consume for free. Um, there's no paywall here, um, but I just wanted to give people a thank you in the way of that monthly, uh, in the way of that um, discussion group. We also do a monthly uh, Zoom call and, and a few other bits and pieces as well. Anyway, enough rambling from me. Let's dive into my talk with Blair Rabin from Talk Purity to Me. Is this what you do? Like, this is your, yeah, this is I, your full time. I've been doing this for about ten years now, so it's it's been a that while. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I'm then, kind of new to like, uh, deconstructing Christianity, like the community. I, so, mm. like, don't take any offense. Like, I, I don't know a ton of the like people. I'm just like so new to all of it. It's awesome because it was something I was doing so privately, like for mm. years. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I, I probably would have heard of you had I like searched it out a little sooner than I did. Well, you like came like flying onto my radar. I don't know if I f- 
found you before you found me. I don't know if even you follow me or not, but like you were like, people were sharing you like yeah. crazy out of nowhere. And I was like, Oh, cool. And then like, I'm just seeing you like I, every now and again, I click on your page and I'm like, Whoa, she is like growing. Um, and like, I'm like, I, I, I click on like, so people are like, have you seen her latest post? I click on it. And like my wife's liked it and stuff. I'm like, I don't even know my wife follows you. You know, it's like, oh, it's just crazy. So, so you're, what's her name? Um, she's like Tillmeister or something. I don't know. But, uh, okay, I'm gonna have to go look for she, her because she is like the least active person on any digital device. I mean, when we were dating, she would like text me like once every four days, kind of thing. It was like, <laughs> you know, like when you're like mad, yeah. you know, puppy dog love, and you're texting all the time. Like she's like, oh, I'll get oh, back yeah. to him in a few days, and I'm like, dude, what is this? <laughs> that is so funny. I can't get that off my phone, true. but she is like the opposite. So the fact that I she's know. liking your posts, dude, that, that's that's high tier like um <laughs> approval there because she doesn't spend much time on her phone that's really so, cool yeah. that's really that's cool funny. to hear yeah i know i've been honestly and this is i mean i'm being so honest like i've been shocked at the response i still am every time i like reach another like sort of you know whatever like going from well when i got to a thousand i was like this is, this is crazy yeah and then 2000 and then 3000 like i just i'm amazed every every time and so grateful because like everyone who follows me i just feel like everyone is so kind you know and mm. everyone is it's like i just feel really lucky to have all these people like feel drawn to what i'm doing so yeah I've got to say, so I love your content. I love what you're posting. Uh, I think it's fantastic. But there's other accounts out there doing the same thing that I've not seen grow so fast. And it's got to be the most incredible handle I've ever seen. It's so freaking good. Talk Purity to me is perfection. Like, did that just come to you in a moment? Or were you sitting on that for it a really while? It really did. I was just thinking, what can I name this? I wanted it to be funny. I sort of... I just sort of wanted it to be, you know, I didn't want it to be like purity culture recovery or like leaving purity culture. I wanted it to be funny. I just am like, I like to kind of inject some like snarkiness and some humor into things just because mm -hmm. that's my personality. And I, um, I just wanted it to be sort of like I could have a nod to what the page is actually about, but also just sort of like a funny pun because yeah, yeah and I think it's also a little bit subversive because you know when you're in purity culture you're not allowed to make like dirty jokes or like no, anything yeah. like that Afraid so to be. I thought it was sort of like um sort of fun to just have like a light-hearted feel about something that is so traumatic for people because you know, I don't want people to just come to my page and relive all their trauma every single right. time they yeah, see yeah. my content, because that to me would be just—it's not a good feeling to me to like ask people to think about such heavy things. Sometimes I just want to laugh at them. Yeah, you've got to lighten it up sometimes and have some fun. And yeah, right. Yeah, I found that for sure. Yeah. I think like for most of us, as we weep through this kind of process, like having some laughter in the midst of it is like. And and the thing is as well, 
some of it, it's funny, right? Some of the darkest stuff in life, this is why people laugh at funerals and things like that. There's absurdity in suffering. There's absurdity yeah. in like, are you kidding? This is happening. Like what? You know, and, and some of the stuff, you know, I mean, you shared today, um, what did you share today that I was, I was dying over? Oh, the, the contracts people have to sign, um, about, um, what was it? Like it was a marriage wife contract. Oh, it was a dating was, contract. Yeah. It was like, it was to even apply to be on this type of dating site for this very fundamental, it's called, I'm pretty sure it's called new independent fundamental Baptist. Um, that's just and, multiple tiered layers of like, we're giving you a real clear definition of what you're getting into here. Exactly. So many things there. So, um, yeah, I came across this, um, this website and the questions there were, of course, I mean, you saw it, but it was, you were looking for a good Baptist like guy, right? I mean, that's, the, that's, this is the honest truth of where you were, you were going, you were like, I'm, I'm an independent <laughs> fundamental Baptist, but I really am looking for a new independent fundamental Baptist partner. I don't want one of those old <laughs> fundamental independent Baptists. <laughs> it's just so weird. Yeah. That website. I mean, the, the whole, just the whole thing, like some of those, like I said, I mean, some of the most mundane sort of weird questions it just blows my mind i think the further i get away from that you know old fundamentalism mm. that i grew up in the more i just it's like does not compute like i i right. can't even i can't i mean i obviously used to be in that place not fully there but you know i used to be able to understand the mindset more but yeah the more I get away from it, the more I just think it's so wild. Yeah. There's like a break, isn't there? There's like this mental break where you can no longer see the person you were in that system. And it just is just utterly absurd. And you're like, how can people think like that? Not realizing that on some level, I used to be in that world. I used to be in that bubble to some degree. Maybe I was a bit of an outsider or whatever, but I was there. And I know people that would have been signing that form going, oh, I really want to find someone. So yeah, I'm a woman. This doesn't apply to me. I'm, my voice is irrelevant. <laughs> you know, I'm right. just here as some of the chattel, you know, like someone just sign up and buy me. Um, like, it's just yeah. crazy. Like that, that world though. Um, and like, I'm sharing that and I'm, I'm like, people are going to not believe this. And I'm like, no, this is so common. Like it's everywhere. Yeah. I've, I've been in churches that contracts were signed between like husbands and wives contracts were signed when people were like ready to date they had to like sign things i i even i talked to a woman uh just today who was sharing and she was like she was in this um korean kind of church uh charismatic mm -hmm. church and they had a, a rule that any guy who wanted to date in their church had to give them access to his bank records and prove he had the equivalent of about fifteen thousand dollars in savings and until you had fifteen thousand dollars in savings you couldn't date now I'm not going to lie. I would have died single if that was me. Yeah. Who can save 15 grand these days, right? I mean, like, are you Most kidding? Most people would. Most people would yeah. not be able to date in that sort of yeah. system. Yeah. That's a really common thing that I get. People will ask me, is this real? Like, yeah. is, is the thing, you know, is the thing that I'm posting and sort of poking fun at, is it real? And yes every yeah i can't i think 
there may be one post, I, I have maybe around 150 posts now. And I think there might be one that's a very obvious, like, like a parody or something, a spoof, but everything else is real. And I found it somewhere on Instagram or the internet somewhere. All of it is real yeah. stuff that people are posting. And most of it is fairly current. I don't, mm-hmm. you right. know, it's not like from the 1970s have, or whatever. Most of it is. Yeah. Like, Wow. In the last like year, two years. Wow. That is so, crazy. Yeah. Wow. So tell me a bit about your journey then. So did, did you you were in a fairly fundamental movement, were you? Or or what kind of what kind of background did you have? Yeah. So I grew up in the Southern Baptist sort of and you know, this is okay. southern US. I'm from the South. So I grew up in that Southern Baptist environment. Um And that was a big part of my childhood, but that actually wasn't really the source of a lot of the purity culture, you know, that I was eventually indoctrinated into. That kind of came through, um, I had a very good friend growing up and her parents or her family and her parents had a uh, house church in their home. Okay. And so... You know, there's this whole idea of like the non-denominational, but that in itself is its own denomination. Yeah. Um, and so it was that sort of environment. And that is really where the whole purity culture mm. sort of thing came into my life. And um, I was very much a person who just wanted to always do the right thing, you know, like there was right and there was wrong. And I always wanted to try to do the right thing and be good. I was never like rebellious, anything like that. That was so far from me. And so, you know, I had these adults in my life who I like trusted and mm-hmm. really I looked up to as kind of like spiritual parents is how I described them. But um, they were telling me like, this is the right thing to do this is what pleases God and I was like okay well sure I'm on board if that's what is right and that's what is going to make God happy then you know right. sign I mean, me up who would so, right I mean so I really dove headfirst into it wow. and I was I was all in I was like the type of person who you know I didn't want to like be alone with a guy I didn't want to you know, kiss before I got married, like, and I was, like, staunch on that, I was, I was totally bought into it, um, I don't know that I could have been more bought into the whole purity culture idea than I was at that point, so. Wow, that's intense, so you were, like, full-blown, like, Josh Harris, wearing your purity ring, like, you know, like, you're in, wow. I asked for a purity ring, I wanted it, my parents didn't, like, give me one. I like wanted one. Right. That's so, they so bought funny. one for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, if they're Christian parents, they're probably going to be quite stoked. Like, that's just like a, you know, in that world is your daughter's going, dad, I want to never have sex at all or whatever. Yes. Here's a ring, you know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know? And so, yeah, that's kind of where it all began. Wow. And so how, how long did you kind of stay in that kind of, um, kind of threat the the kind of non-denominational kind of movement kind of probably so 
so probably started around 13 or 14. You know, it's kind of hazy. I don't mm-hmm. totally remember exactly how old I was when I started going there. But I met that friend around that time. So it would have been around then. And then did that all through high school and then went to college and found sort of a similar sure. congregation of same sort of vibe and house church. Yeah, same sort of mm. vibe. Um, so then that would have been until I was like 22-ish when I graduated. So like 14 to 22 was like very intense. Wow. Um, and, and this then, whole way through, like you were like, okay, but I'm like saving myself for marriage. This isn't like the way like purity culture is it like right through college. Yeah. What kind of college did you go to? You go to like a Christian college? No, or, no? I went to a big state university in okay. the state where I'm from. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, 30,000 students, like really huge. Right. Yeah. The oh, there's the thunder, in. right? This is <laughs> sorry. No, no, it's fine. This is this is good. We we can add some dramatic effects. I'll add some like special know, effects of really. lightning coming from the sky. You know, God with a thunderbolt hitting you. Um, it's what I always thought would happen when I, you know, if I stepped outside of the line. So. When you first started, right? Yeah, you're like maybe. Exactly. Oh God, thunder! Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. That's funny. So, mm-hmm. I mean, going to college outside of the christian bubble that's often a time where people are starting to go oh i'm not sure like maybe but you didn't really have those kind of major doubts and waverings in your you kind of helped the course right yeah pretty much all through college every you know i was really intent on those beliefs and Mm. i was around a lot of christians and involved in that house church and then in addition to that wesley foundation i don't know if that is outside of the US. I really don't know. I've heard of it. Um, I don't really have a place to put it, but it rings a bell, but yeah. It's like a big college ministry. Um, so I was involved in that too. Cool. Um, pretty much like if there was a way to be around Christians, I like was all about it. And sure. so um, you went right through college in like this like hardcore Christian bubble then. Which yeah. Is- the way to do it, right? I mean, if you're a good, solid, committed Christian, you know, you have some non-Christian friends, but to the end of like hopefully converting them. But other than that, you are like in. Right. So, so where did it all go wrong then? <laughs> the eternal question. Yeah. So um, probably after college, you know, I didn't have those same friends. I stayed in my college town for a little while. Okay. Um, after college and worked and sort of tried to figure out what was next. And then some of my friends, you know, they all moved away, which most people do. Most people don't stay in their college town. They mm. go back home or they go somewhere else. Um, so then, you know, I start sort of not being around the same influence as much. Um, and I never had, you know, a lot of people talk about this you know, earth shattering moment or something like that. Um, that never really happened for me. I never had a Mm. moment where I just said, I'm done and I'm, you know, this is over. Um, it's a very slow process. Um, and even into, so from like 22 ish, 22, 23 to, maybe even 
26, so like three to four years, I feel like I very slowly started stepping away right. um, from all of that. Mm. And I mean, for me, that felt slow um, because I would still hold on to certain things. You know, I wasn't going to church, but I would still pray and I would listen to music and I would, I would listen to worship music and I would, you know, think about scriptures and things that meant a lot to me and then mm. sort of that started not so much being as common and sure um yeah so, so that's, what what do you think caused that to kind of like that initial i mean it wasn't something big sudden it was just kind of like were you just eh, i'm not gonna go to church for a few weeks or were you asking specific <laughs> questions that you were starting to go oh, i'm not even sure about this maybe and therefore i'm not gonna go to church like can you identify some of the couple of early points where you were like, maybe like that was what kind of kicked off the journey? Yeah, I think um, for my particular sort of denomination, that same, you know, house church environment that brought purity culture into my life, there was also the, this idea, and I don't think everyone, every Christian really believes this i don't Mm. really know but in this environment we were kind of taught that every physical like malady or anything that's going on with you is a direct result of a sin a specific sin and that whatever that very specific sin is like fear or you know i mean fear, depression, anger, you know, all this, all whatever, whatever sin it is. And, you know, if you let that into your life, that will cause like what headaches or, you know, all these things. So I was so bought into that. And then when I started sort of questioning it, that to me was a huge thing. When I started realizing, I mean, this doesn't, this doesn't actually make sense. It's it's a know? pretty hard one to stick to, like really it hard. Is. It was, I mean, it was hard in the Bible times where that was like really a common th- train of thought within Judaism. They struggled. Mm-hmm. Like even in the Bible, you're reading people going, eh, that doesn't really make sense. So does it? Like, and so, I mean, right. it's not hard to imagine that like 2000 years later, it's like, eh, but some people just are epileptic, right? I mean, like, or whatever, you know, it's like, yeah. it happens, right? And like, I was born with allergies and like respiratory problems. You know, mm. what sin did I, did I commit as a... Mm. Maybe your parents' sin, you know, like... Mm. That is actually, they talked they about... They have to, I mean, right? Gener- generational sin, too, was a big mm. thing in that environment. And that... <sighs> Where God know, just is a real it. dick, right? I mean, he's like, I oh, know. your dad watched porn when he was 22 and he forgot about that one time and didn't ask for forgiveness. So I'm sorry you're born with like, you know, some debilitating illness. Eh, it yeah. seems just, I'm, ba- I'm I'm leveling up all the balances. This seems to work well for me. Like this right? is a really weird God. So I started questioning that. And then I really just was like, okay, I don't believe this. I just, I don't believe it. It's too tiring i got Mm. to the point where i had some obsessive tendencies around trying to figure out what i did that caused this thing you know and i got um i mean i am a person who already 
am sort of prone to anxiety and religion actually just made my anxiety way worse. Sure. Um, there's this, you know, I, I never saw a therapist or counselor or anything, but there's this, um, phenomenon, I guess you would say in a lot of religious circles called scrupulosity. I was literally going to bring I, it up. That's what I was thinking. When I, yeah. When <laughs> From your I description read about the descriptions of scrupulosity, I see my, my younger self a mm. lot in those descriptions of, you know, what it is and the sort of symptoms of it. So yeah. I think it was actually just really bad, bad for my health. You know, yeah. um, I had a lot, a lot of anxiety about, um, what I was doing wrong that was causing me to be, you know, have a headache one day or yeah, you know, yeah. have a pain and my like get an ear infection. I remember I got an ear infection one time in, in college and I was like, what did I, you know, what did I do wrong? Yeah. I think though, even if your church isn't like explicitly like that, cause I've come across, I mean, I've come across churches which are like, uh, it's a sin for you to take medication. You have to like, you know, just let God sort it out. Either you deserve to be sick or he'll heal you or things like, I mean, I've, I've, you know, those churches that you read about and people are dying and like the parents are going to jail over it and shit. Like, like I've, I've been to those churches at times. Um, so yeah. like, it, it's crazy the kind of extreme, but I think even on the subtle end, what you're describing is still picked up on. So even if your church isn't teaching, oh, you got a headache, that's because you lied. Uh, you mm -hmm. got a back pain, that's because you have unforgiveness. Well, I don't know, that prescriptive. But yeah. I think most people growing up in the church have some uh, capacity to subconsciously start connecting the dots where they do associate, I screwed up. I you know, lied to my parents, so I watched porn or whatever. And they're so young, they haven't been taught this stuff yet, but they then are going, I'm not going to go outside in that storm. Oh, just yeah. play it, take it easy. Yeah. I remember as a teenager, like, right. um, probably late teenager because I was driving, but like, I remember literally like watching porn one time because I fell and I was like, you know, whatever. And I'm just a teenager. And I remember like thinking, oh, I need to go to my friends and then being like, uh, I don't feel safe driving because, because, because I've watched porn that I might not be safe in the car. God might remove his protection. He was not, he would cause me to crash or like try and kill yeah. me, but he would remove his protection and the devil's going to be like, I'm going to get that guy. He's addicted to porn. I'm he's mine, you know? And like right. all this stuff. And nobody taught me that. No one taught me that, but on some level they did right. On some level, that's not mm -hmm. a rational conclusion to come up and make up on your own that's come right. from all kinds of little tidbits within church and my church mm -hmm. upbringing was probably relatively tame on the kind of scale of like really toxic theology but i still managed to put these kind of dots together um so it's just it's fascinating isn't it like the way that we end yeah. up with these kind of connections and scrupulosity i mean like it's mental because the church is not mm -hmm. equipped to deal with that because the answer is yeah. like stop doing that all the things that you're doing stop it <laughs> You know, it's like no one's right. going to give that advice in church. Um, what we recommend is you you don't come back and uh, don't apply all these principles we've been teaching you because that's going to make it worse. Like it, there's no real scenario. Yeah. And the problem is if you're in it, right, you're, and you're full of anxiety, you're obsessively, compulsively trying not to sin and trying to root out sin. You're not going to mm -hmm. go to a therapist and take their word for it. They're going to be the devil. They're going to be trying to like, you know, whisper in your ear and lure you away from Jesus. You know, it's just a real right. disastrous scenario to kind of be caught in that um, world. Yeah. Uh, wow. 
that's intense. So what was it like as you kind of like started to kind of like um, sort of fizzle out in these areas, like just go, I'm not so sure. I'm not that bothered about this. I don't believe that anymore. Mm -hmm. Was that a scary process? Was it exciting? Was it freeing? There was, I mean, there was more anxiety around um, not being so steadfast about certain things, you Mm. know? Um, I was totally a a goody two-shoes type person, you know? I was, I didn't cuss and I didn't drink and I didn't do any of these things. Like, I was, I was like the, I really was the model like young Christian girl. I, right. I never like stepped outside of that or did anything bad, you know, like at least not, I'm not saying I was perfect, but I wasn't right. doing all of these other, you know, right. The no, no's or whatever. So, um, you were when never going to get dragged in front of the church with an amazing testimony about how you used to be a drug dealer who was a prostitute, but then you got saved and like, you know, you always envy those kind of crazy testimony. Like, I, I don't do really anything particularly, right? <laughs> when you grew up no. in that kind of environment. <laughs> yeah, I never did anything. I literally, that's, I never did funny. anything. And um, yet we still managed to feel terrible about ourselves. <laughs> seriously, I know, just the level of shame and everything. So, um, so yeah, once I started moving away from it, I, I think one of the biggest things was starting to have non-christian friends or not so fundamental christian friends you know Mm. people who were more um, enjoying their lives (laughs) uh it started to open my eyes a little bit Mm. and just starting to see that um you know not everyone who's outside of the church is terrible or super unhappy Mm. or um you know unfulfilled or unloving you know that was a big thing was that only christians can love others Mm. in a real way and in like a true genuine sense um and so when i started feeling like that wasn't actually true that really was a huge kind of um shift for me Mm. I think it was big, but it also, it didn't feel big at the time. I was just, you know, but, but I, I look back on it and I, I can think of a few people who kind of came into my life towards the end of college and after college and just seeing them as really kind and loving, but also they weren't Christian. So Mm. I didn't trust it at first, but then I sort of started having these doubts about you know, whether everyone outside of Christianity was as bad as I always was told they were going to be, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The church kind of shoots itself in the foot there. Right. Like I was talking with, um, have you come across the dirty rotten church kids? Um, oh yeah. I, I just yeah. had them on my podcast. I was recording it last night oh, and, and we were laughing yeah, they're, because, they're amazing. Oh, they're just so funny. But, uh, we were laughing because it's like, you're, you're almost taught in church. Like, you know, like you're all in church Sunday morning, 11 AM or 10 AM or whatever. And everyone out there is like just in throes of depression or mm-hmm. having some sort of wild orgy, right? It's, you know, either they yeah. are like the worst of sinners or they're desperately trying to sort their lives out, but they have no hope at all. And it's like, right. you, you, you step outside, and you're like, 
no, people are kind of just normal. And, and it, it just completely erodes the trust you have. Like if, if mm -hmm. we had just presented people outside as being just normal people that maybe didn't have, uh, you know, uh, the same spiritual kind of compass that we did and, and relationship to God that you could have or any of these kind of terms, those things would not be as destabilizing, right? When you realize, right. oh, these people are normal, but because you'd still go, yeah, but they don't know this or they don't have this or you know, there's, there's certain things that you could clearly draw a line and go, yeah, they don't. Maybe it's just, oh, yeah, they don't have all the shame and the baggage and the guilt that I have. Maybe that's the most accurate right. line that we could draw. Um, yeah. But, you know, like it, it really shoots itself in the foot when it kind of like creates these extreme scenarios to try and scare you away from things. And then they're not true. It's, I mean, sex is a great example of that, right? We create these like mm -hmm. extreme scenarios. Oh, if you, um, you know, like, have sex with someone they'll immediately get pregnant and like you know like it will ruin your life and you'll get 23 stds and you know like whatever i don't know um well that's yeah. immediately provable to be wrong right i mean in about three seconds and so you kind of not only, really yeah. doing yourself a service right sorry keep right no i interrupted you but um yeah i think it is totally easy to disprove that However, and I know it's not this way in, the, in other places in the world, but in the United States, even our government really mm. cripples um, young people who, you know, grow up to be adults who don't know anything about biology or sex yeah. or anything because we have abstinence-only education in um, a lot of places in the United States, and it is government-funded. Yeah. So, you know, if we had better information, I feel that a lot of these things that we're taught would be a non-issue, you know, mm -hmm. but because of our lack of, it's, it's kind of like a double whammy for Christian Christians in the U S yeah. because we don't, we don't get good information from school and you and don't even get it at home. <laughs> No, so we're, it's just bad information everywhere we turn, yeah. and and then kids end up trying to learn about sex by having sex or by mm -hmm. watching porn or talking to their friends who don't know anything either. Right. Yeah. And you know that it's creates its own set of terrible, terrible yeah. outcomes. I remember so earlier in this year before kind of COVID kicked off, I was in the South and I was in um, Louisiana and Georgia doing like some oh, different meetings. And, oh, sweet. Nice. Where from? Yeah. Where about? I'm from a really, really small town. No one's ever heard of it. It's called Sonoy. It's okay. just very small town, um, <laughs> but it's probably an hour South of Atlanta. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was in Atlanta and then I was like much further down towards, I don't even know where it was near the Florida border. I can't remember. Um, my, people listening yeah. to this are going to kick me in the face on Instagram. They're going to immediately go, "Where the hell can't you remember the name of the city? I'm sorry so much to anyone listening That's so to this. Funny. I'm trying to think of what would be where you would have been down there. Oh, where the heck was it? It's going to kill me. <laughs> I, I bet about 10 minutes from now, I'm just going to blurt it out. Okay. Um, but we'll uh, it, out. <laughs> it was fascinating having this conversation. I think it was in Louisiana um, when I was over there. Um, 
and I was chatting to some girls there and, and we'd been hanging out with different groups um, of just a bunch of people that follow me that were deconstructing kind of were like, can you come over and hang out? So we were doing that. I spent most of the time talking to guys and it was like a really oddly segregated male, female kind of grouping. And I am like, I'm from Europe. That's weird to me. Really weird. Yeah. Most of my friends are female. Like I definitely have right. like 70% friends, female, 30% male. Maybe it's slightly less now, but it's, it's, sure. it's imbalanced that way. So I'm like really weirded out when I'm in a room with just guys and I'm like, what's happening right now? Like, <laughs> and they're all married and stuff. And I'm like, do you not like invite your wives to things or like, and so the last night they brought their wives along and I was just chatting. I was like, what is it like, like living here? Like it feels segregated. Like, do men understand you? Like we were, we got talking deep and a couple of them were teachers and we start talking and I'm like, what, what's going on in schools? Like, do you guys talk about stuff like this? What's sex ed like and things like that. And they could not believe that I was talking to them basically at all. They were like, kind of like, Oh, like you, we don't tend to get this kind of attention from like a, a male speaker or, or important person. He kind of speaks to the man, but then also like yeah. things like I was like, I was talking about like, what do you teach in schools about periods? Do the guys get taught about that as well? And they're like, what is happening? No one in our lives has ever talked to us about periods. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's just, that would be normal conversation for, for at least me and my friends. We'd be talking about stuff like that really commonly. That's not an issue. Um, and it just, I was so shocked at just how problematic sex ed is in certain parts of America um, and some of them were yeah. like, our parents didn't even teach us, right? Not because they didn't want to, because they didn't really know. Like, right. that's, that to me is just astonishing. Like, you know, that like, there's no access to this information in schools and there's no access. And of course we live in a different world today and kids are definitely able to educate themselves a lot more. And there's a lot of good things that are trying to educate them actively. Um, mm -hmm. but then, yeah, we do end up, most kids are educating themselves on like porn or something like that. And it's like, well, that's going to definitely serve people. Well, absolutely. That's an accurate portrayal of like day-to-day -day right. life and sexuality. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah. So what was that like that component? Did you have a, were you in like a regular state school? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went to public school. I was homeschooled for most of elementary school and then middle school, high school, in okay. public school but georgia yeah. like sex ed not really on the table right wow yeah it was all absence only sort of things we learned very little about anything biological and zero about any kind of female biology oh it's um, so male whitewashed from what i heard as well oh like, yeah that's Very just the so. bare minimum, right? Women are there as an yeah. object and that's about it. Wow. Yeah. How did that, uh, did, did you kind of pick up on that? Did you, how did that make you kind of like feel as you're growing up in that environment where it is very male centered? It's got the male gaze. You're not learning about your own body. What's happening? Yeah. Um, I mean, my mom is a bit of a feminist, so okay. she nice which is great. I was, and I was always a very assertive person, um, which <laughs> played into some issues. Like basically, you know, if you're in a really fundamental sort of Christian sect and you are a more assertive woman, usually the older women in the church will tell you that you're going to have to sort of like tone yourself down a little bit, mm. which did happen to me. Um, right. 
because you're, you're being a Jezebel or a Delilah or you know like yeah or that you're just you're too strong you're gonna have to learn to submit you wow. know if mm-hmm. you have too strong of a personality or you're too sure of yourself or too ambitious you know so um wow. so yeah it was it was weird at times because like I remember I had a friend who she would say this jokingly. She would say, you're just my little feminist friend or something like that. Like she would say it jokingly as if it was like a bad thing. Mm. But I was, so I was always a little bit on the edge of like, not 100% the like submissive quiet woman I was supposed to be. Sure. So it was weird for me to, you know, certain aspects of it, um, the purity culture, some of it was weird, but then also I just wanted to be good. So I just sort of like bought into it and not, I mean, you don't know what you don't know about sex and your body and stuff like that. So I didn't know anything. So I just, I mean, there was nothing for me to question because I Mm. had nothing else to go on in terms of the way that um sex ed was taught when i was yeah. you know 13 years old so mm. yeah it's so problematic and from my understanding generally speaking i mean i, I know that obama tried to roll back his the abstinence programs and stuff didn't he it, from what i understand um they were big in yeah. kind of like bush even up to clinton but i think obama tried to roll them back and then they kind of kick-started again or something in 2016 um but it feels like the data is there that this is not good, that, that people still have sex at the same age. They're still as likely to be exposed to, um, you know, all kinds of different things. They're, st- they're more likely, I think, to catch STDs. They're more likely to get pregnant. There's not any strong evidence that this helps the situation. Um, but it feels like yeah. that doesn't seem to matter. Like, like what's the deal there is that is that just religion in politics is that is that largely being pushed by religion or is that more just religiosity like a culture like is that quite a cultural thing even apart from the religion if you can even separate those two in the south yeah i think it is a very cultural thing um in a lot of ways because we've kind of let the lines of separation of church and state kind of become blurred and there's a lot of you know family values packs um Mm. like political action committees you know and lobbying groups um here that really you know push an anti-gay agenda and a family values agenda Mm. um which would you know obviously take sex education off the table but um like one of my first posts that I ever made on my page was comparing a map of the U S and the States that identify as most religious, mm. um, which are kind of, if you look at the U S they're kind of on the bottom half of the country, yep. most of them. And then a, a map with States that have the highest teen pregnancy rates. Yeah. It's a it's classic. Almost, right? almost exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so you can see that, you know, not, not only do we have zero data 
that shows that abstinence-only education is helpful, we actually do have data that shows that it's harmful. Yeah. So, and that it, it doesn't work. And that comprehensive sex education, um, I saw a statistic that um, it, on, on average, um, teens who receive comprehensive sex ed delay their first time having mm. sex by on average two years. Yeah. Um, I've heard that because as well, yeah. they're not, they don't feel pressure, you know, they know about it and they have the facts and they have good information and they don't feel the need to go, you know, experience it to know anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen um, data because I, I read that. I don't know when I read that. It was, it was quite a while back. That I remember reading that, but I read alongside it as well. Um, that there was data on families, so parents that talk openly with their children about sex from a young age right through teenage okay. years um, also delays um, the onset of their children having sex by about the same period, mm -hmm. about two to three yeah. years. And so it has a massive effect, but like there's this, mm -hmm. so, I mean, you would assume the church's goal here is to delay having sex until you're ready. Married would be the, the word for ready in that context. Um, but you would assume that goal is there. And yet mm -hmm. there seems to be this, they're caught in a rock and a hard place scenario because they, they don't want to use this mechanism to get there. They don't want to talk about sex. They don't, what do you reckon is going, what's going on there that you, you're seeing like the church going, well, we could actually, stop people having sex early we could stop teenage pregnancy or whatever or, mm -hmm. but we'd have to start educating people at a young age about sex their bodies you know how it works what's going on what what are the stumbling blocks in there that that christians are going to have to navigate if they're going to move forward in that area i think a big thing about it is that um the church would would have to apologize to people who were hurt mm. by the way they've done things for decades. They would also have to admit that they were wrong and right. shift, you know, you think they're like adjust. too deep to like, you know, that point we've all been in that point where you go a little too far. Yeah. Like, Shit. I've gone too far in. Now. I can't, if I apologize, I'm like a total ass. Um, that's how I feel. Cause right. you know, and, and just hmm. extrapolating this, I might be making too many generalizations, but at least in the American church, who's in charge? White men, white older men, mm -hmm. you know, and how good are they generally at uh, just as, you know, again, this is a generalization, so nobody get mad at me or whatever, but um, when you set a certain demographic of people up as kind of, you know, god's mouthpiece on earth mm -hmm. why why would they admit that they were wrong yeah you know they they're not wrong it's everyone else is not holy enough to do what mm. what god says so i think it would be a huge blow to pride for these you know people in charge mostly again yeah. men white men to say that they had done anything wrong Yeah. Do you think, so this is something I'm intrigued by because 
There is a slow and very slow, to be fair, in certain movements a bit quicker, gradual kind of like shift towards having more of a female voice in leadership and, and equipping more, equipping even such a patriarchal kind of concept, but you know, like, uh, you know <laughs> allowing blah, 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 all these kind of, and this is just the nature of it, right? If everyone, if one group is in charge, they have to allow another part group to be a part of that as well. On some level, there's a, they, they're the people that get to choose. Um, mm-hmm. but that, that's happening. However, we word that I'm stumbling around. Oh God, there's no good yeah. way to talk about this. Um, mm-hmm. but that's happening. Do you think, um, do you think women in the church want to see change there themselves? I, I, I'm not saying that there aren't women that want to see it, but I, I think if you took a generalized, again, if you broad stroked, like this is what yeah. average woman in the evangelical church do you think they would be a voice of change going, hey, we've made some mistakes. We need to apply some sex education, less abstinence? Yeah, um, I think that probably not in the same way that you would, that I would personally hope, you know, because mm. there are the, you know, patriarchal, patriarchal systems require everyone to internalize yeah those ideas you know mm. so that it's not just the men in charge who are passing on the ideas it requires that everyone buy into them so i do think you're right that um i mean there are very outspoken female they wouldn't call themselves leaders you know, they would, but, but they're female Christian, whatever bloggers. I don't know what they sure. call themselves. Voices they can't or be, They can't be a leader. Yeah, know, they can't yeah. be a leader or a pastor or whatever, but there are women. Don't touch those who, male words, right. Right. There, you know, there are a lot of Christian women out there who are perpetuating these mm. ideas, possibly even more than some mm. men. Um, so no, you're, you're totally right. I mean, a lot of the content from my page is from women, women created it and you know, yeah. It's really tough. I just had, um, do do you know Hallie Kim? She's, she's great. She's on Instagram. You should be following her if not. Follow each other. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I just had her on a a week or so ago and, um, we talked about that, the internalization, because when I used to travel and speak in churches, like all the time, all over the world. One of the things I, for a while, I did like a little tour and I was trying to basically go into these churches and kind of like just moving baby steps towards kind of, you know, allowing women, again, allowing women to have more of a voice, more of a platform, telling women, hey, you you are an amazing, powerful individual, individual. You are not just (laughs) this packaged thing that comes with a man and God forbid you don't come with a man and you're useless. You know, that's not how this works. And I was talking to her and I was like talking about how in my experience at the end of those meetings, I'd have a line of women wanting to talk to me, very few men. And unfortunately it wasn't to say thank you. Some did, but most were, most were the most ardent, like, and and it was this, and she was talking about this, this internalization of the patriarchy. And and so Mm -hmm. my point, my point in asking that is, and, and I don't know, maybe it would make a big shift, but I've got an inkling that I don't, I think the problem is so institutionalized. But I guess my question is, 
how does this change? Does the whole system need to come burning down? Because is that going to happen? Or, you know, right. it's not as simple as going, oh, maybe if we let some women in charge or maybe, um, you know, if we just got that group of people out or it feels like it's a deep rooted issue running right through, um, if not all Christianity, certainly a, a good kind of chunk of it. Um, what needs to happen for that to change? Or does it just, do people just need to leave, to, to come out, to, to deconstruct, to move on? Or Do you have yeah, thoughts? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, this is probably going to sound terrible. I really have no indication or hope that current systems in place, current denominations would be willing to change. Yeah. I really don't. Um, and maybe that sounds bleak, but, uh, I really don't think it would happen Mm. until younger people who kind of step away a little bit and sort of look at the problems from the outside, you know, if those people come away and then decide they maybe want to change it and go back and sort of change things from the inside out, mm. maybe I can see that happening. But for yeah. the way things are now, I mean, I don't see how things could change internally. I don't, I don't see anyone like, like you said, I don't see the women of the church rising up or, you know, men wanting to kind of, release some of their privilege and sort of defer to women on anything i i don't really see it happening either way yeah and but you know i haven't been to church in years so maybe there's (laughs) maybe there's things happening that are good i haven't seen any evidence of it so i don't i don't know well i I think your hypothesis is probably fairly um it's a reasonable uh, and level-headed one based on the evidence at hand, at least in certain parts of the world and certain denominations, whatever that might look like. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, there's maybe, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of, there's progressive movements in Christianity and, and, and sure. things like the liberal church and all these different uh, titles that different kind of Christianities um, are given mainline Christianity, you know, Unitarian, mm-hmm. those different movements that I'm like, yeah, I, I can see that doing well and, and, and moving in a, a different direction, but definitely it feels like there's a, and it, it, I think it's a tough one because this is like, for whatever reason, it's fascinating, but it's at the core, you know, where the church hasn't made greed or lying or corruption or, you know, <laughs> these aren't the things, you know, it hasn't made power, empire, violence. You know, that's not the thing. The thing is sex. Yeah. That's, that's right. the thing, right? I mean, like, it's mm-hmm. the thing that defines you, right? You can, you can be a murderer yeah. and it doesn't change who you are if, you, if you're able to say a prayer. But you have sex before marriage and that changes who you are, at least if you're a female. Right. Not so much for the men, but, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so it just feels like it's such a fundamental component of um, at least kind mm-hmm. of more conservative fundamental um, branches of Christianity, evangelical Christianity. Um, yeah. it does. It feels very hopeless, I think. Yeah. I say a lot of the time, like for me, looking back on my experience in evangelical Christianity, I I say this and I'm not kidding. I really think it's a sex cult in a lot of ways. Mm. <laughs> Just the way that sex is built up as an idol in 
this particular group of, you know, this particular part of Christianity, evangelical Christianity, especially in the U.S. I mean, I can't speak for other places, but I, I'm not kidding. I know it sounds funny to call it a sex cult, but I, I, I'm very serious about it just because I was in it and I know how I felt about sex in it and like the way that sex is controlled and information about sex is controlled and behavior you know Mm. you look at all these different parts of cults and the way that they control anything you know or do or feel um about it it's to me very cult like (laughs) yeah it it is weird because it feels I get I I wasn't I didn't grow up in I, I spent four years in America but I was older at that point in my kind of like mm-hmm. early 20s mid 20s um but I was still single through that as well so it was still a very yeah. heightened kind of focus and central kind of theme right. but growing up as a teenager everything revolved around it, it I didn't realize it at the time but looking back I'm pretty confident that every concept and relationship and and uh connection i had to god it all kind of centered around like basically masturbation and sex as a teenage boy that's all that we it's all that ever like kind of really ever came up in youth group and stuff that's what we talked about it was all ever like your your accountability partner would ask you about oh did you watch porn this week did you masturbate or did you have some bad thoughts about some pretty girl or whatever you know like your youth pastor was always asking about it like you know your leaders were always asking about and like literally i I was sharing that night like i would like take communion and communion come around and i'd be like oh, but I, I did watch porn this week, so maybe I shouldn't take communion. But if I don't take communion, everyone's going to know. And it's probably, he's a teenager, he's because he masturbated. Well, so then you're like, I'll take the, 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 the bread and hope that God doesn't hit me with a lightning bolt. Or, you know, but you, and I'm like, right. every thought, when, like, you know, I'm, I'm like, shall I go out to see my friends? Oh, well, I, uh, I did some sort of sexual sin and maybe I'm not safe to drive. Like, it, it was everything even going to god mm-hmm. to pray it was like well when did i last screw up and um you know you think about i was a teenage boy in growing up in mm-hmm. the church god i was mastering like endlessly like that's all you do as a teenage boy when you've got spare time <laughs> like um, right. and so like but that that it just was one and the same um and then the weird part is when you get married then no one ever 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 talks about sex again it just is silence um, mm-hmm. And so it's this really weird dynamic. So you, you talked about this being like a sex cult looking back growing up. Like what I'm saying of my experience, is that s- similar? Because I know that for females, it's a totally different dynamic where you, your, your very identity and worth is so wrapped up in this because mm-hmm. you're the object of desire. You don't, no one really cares about your desire, right? That does not get massively talked about. It's a, you're the yeah. stumbling block. You're the, you know, whatever it mm-hmm. might be. Um, you're the object of purity to be protected. So you don't let that rose petal fall off or the lollipop get licked or the sticky tape get stuck, you know, like all these kind of things. How how was that for you growing up? Like, what did that look like? And what did that do to you? Like psychologically looking back, maybe in the middle, you may not have known what was happening and uh, going on, but I'm sure you're looking back, you've got some thoughts. Yeah, I think it just made me um, super cautious and really scared um to even um 
like for example you talked about how you have a lot of um female friends i have a twin brother so i get i always got along really well with guys but then after coming into this environment where purity culture was sort of introduced to me i was kind of told you know mm. it's not good to um really be spending a lot of time with guys cuz you could develop what they kind of referred to as emotional intimacy which meant right. like just having a connection with another human being like we all don't do. you dare do that god right so that was a you know that wow. was a weird thing for me um because i don't know it just felt I do think that I missed out on a lot of really good friendships mm. potentially. And it also made me look at every single guy as like, Oh, is this the guy that like God wants for me? If, if, mm. it, if it's not a guy who like God is saying that this is the one, then I can't, you know, I can't engage. Like I just, um, you know, so it set up some really weird relational things right. um that i think are still sort of you know somewhere in the back of my mind sometimes um i don't know if that fully answered your question yeah no i mean that um, sounds huge though i mean like where you even draw those lines when you're trying to figure out like because you need to get to know guys to figure out well is this potentially the one or whatever because then i am allowed to kind of start kind of talking to them and get to know them and go in some sort of like yeah. you know josh harris courting kind of process or whatever like he mm -hmm. can contact my dad and let him know that he's going to marry me in three years and we should start dating or <laughs> but exactly where, where yeah. do you draw that line because it feels like you can't really get to know the person but you somehow have to make these kind of epic decisions about them like based on very little information because you're not allowed to like it it's and, and not only that, you're kind of set up for like uh, a, a huge dysfunctional disadvantage where you can't relate mm -hmm. to 50% of the world on some level, right? Or And exactly. certainly you're not like trained just by osmosis of just doing it, right? You, you don't get to do right. it. Um, that's that's crazy. That is mm -hmm. tough, really tough. Because yeah. I... I did not have that experience really in in the uk i came across one person in the uk um who was going through like a discipleship program that i had been mm -hmm. friends with before and she went to this like yeah i don't know mentorship discipleship program she did it was like a gap year between university and uh high school so she was like i guess 17 18 finished high school did this program and the church suddenly was like you're not allowed to talk to guys after 8 p.m at night you're not allowed to ever be alone with a guy you're not allowed to and i was like dude i've known you for like two years i don't think if we like hang out at a coffee shop at 8 p.m you're suddenly going to get pregnant like do you know what i mean it's like this feels right. like we're, we're good we're friends here you know what i mean like it's okay right. but no like i mean and and she was like i will get kicked off this program um but that's that's about it like most most kind of guys and girls kind of did have some level of being able to engage at least from my experience of being in the uk I, I'd mm -hmm. imagine most of Europe is quite similar. It feels like America mm -hmm. is like a whole nother level in its kind of intellectual um, jumps that it makes about these concepts. So it's it's not just that we have to make sure men and uh, girls and guys don't mix uh, in case they get pregnant. It's like, well, now they can't even talk. Now they can't even, you know, 
be in a room together alone, you know, even mm -hmm. on separate sides of the room, God knows what will happen. Like, yeah, it's, 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 it's like an extreme It's everything is to such an extreme. It's yeah, yeah. It just seems crazy. Really, really crazy. Um, I mean, this is from the same country. Th I mean, we had prohibition. I don't know if other countries had prohibition. I mean, we we are a country of extremes. Yeah. In a, in nearly everything. So, yeah, we're just really good at taking things to the nth degree. Like yeah. I think about really cool things from around the world, and then when they come to America, they just get like blown out the roof and like everything is crazier everything is bigger whatever it is it's like that's that's what america does right you know right which is fantastic some of the times and then other times it's awesome. terrifying yeah <laughs> right wow right. yeah man that's intense talk to me um so again i'm a guy I have my experience, but it's very different, um, obviously. And, and talking to female friends, my wife, you know, different people I know. Um, yeah. I know that for females, this purity culture has a totally um, different level of shame that kind of like um, becomes attached to sexuality, to relationships with the other sex, to mm -hmm. um, even your own value, your own worth, things like that. Was that something that you wrestled with in this process as well? Of like the deconstruction process or when I was or really just in it? Within the process. And then I guess coming out of it would be interesting to know as well, like how you then navigated if it was something that you were struggling yeah. with. Yeah, I think it... Um, you know, anything that you kind of build this, I sort of describe it as like a mystique, like sex was sort of like this thing that was there and we were told it was really holy, but also it was like too holy to talk about mm. in a lot of ways. Only, we could only talk about it by what the Bible said about it. You know, we couldn't know anything real about it. So, um, but that it was something that, you know, your husband one day was going to be so glad if you just didn't have sex until you got married. And, um, yeah, I mean, when I say it out loud, I'm like, why would, why would I have cared at 13 years old? I, mm. I didn't, I wasn't even the, in the frame of mind to think about being married. I mean, who, what 13 year old understands. Right. You know, well, that. in this day and world, right. Well, it's yeah, yeah. Exactly. it should be a so, foreign concept to most 13 year old girls should, yeah it should be i realize there are places <sighs> in the world unfortunately where that i'm sure goes on but mm. you know in my 13 year old mind um i didn't right. i didn't know when when i said that i wouldn't have sex until i got married or wouldn't kiss until i got married i didn't know what i was saying i right. had no idea i just was told you know God is going to be really pleased with you and the man you're going to marry will be really pleased with you if you make this commitment mm. and you stick to it. Um, so yeah, just even the thought of if there would be, um, you know, a guy that I liked who was, you know, whatever. And I thought about that person in a sense of like, Oh, I would love to like, you know, 
for this to be the like the guy that God chose for me, you would feel like guilty sometimes, you know, like mm. having these like romantic ideas or like having a crush. I mean, we're not talking about anything crazy. It's just normal things. You're you're taught that like the normal parts of growing up are not they shouldn't be part of your life because you're right. supposed to be set, set apart um, from the rest of the world. Mm. So yeah, there is a lot of shame when you're just, you're being told one thing that, you know, you're supposed to behave in a certain way, but then literally just hormones and life and everything else is yeah. pointing you in a totally different direction. Yeah. And you think that there's something wrong with you. And that yeah. probably every other girl has this figured out and that it's just, it's just a problem with you. Right. Because you're not talking about it. You don't really get to understand that everyone else is going through. There seems to be as well. Like, I wonder if like, um, this is something you've come across as well, but there seems to be this mm -hmm. dynamic between, you know, if realistically and practically, if you want someone to pick you out of, you know, the, all the girls in the youth group and go, that's the one I want to marry. You know, like that's the one mm -hmm. I'm going to marry in a year and a half when we graduate or whatever, you know, like you, there's an element of like, you need to go, hi, I'm this one here. You know, you need to stand out in some way. You need to be funny. You need to be cute. You need to be smart. You need to look a certain way or whatever that person is going to find attractive. And yet mm -hmm. at the same time, all those things are kind of demonized as well like this kind of mm -hmm. idea of putting yourself out there or cause you, it's gotta be the guy, right? The guy has to pursue. And yet, right. I mean, let's face reality as well. In the church there's two females for every one male single. So yeah. first of all, you're screwed anyway, right? Cause half of you aren't right. going to be able to marry someone because right. Unless the guy's going to go into polygamy, it's not going to happen. And same sex isn't going to be on the table, right? That's not going to happen mm -hmm. anytime soon. Um, so you've got to, on some level go, I got to, I got to outshine half the girls here. If I want, right. you know, if these 20 girls, if I want to get married to one of these 10 guys, I need to kind of somehow be noticed. Mm -hmm. um, and yet like certainly growing up in the environments I grew up in, there was this kind of not even unspoken. It was kind of spoken of like girls, you stay modest, you cover up, you don't flirt. You, um, you know, if you just, pursue God, the, the right man will notice you and come along, all that kind of stuff. Was, was that in your head? Were you aware of those dynamics of like, I want a guy to notice me, but then is that okay? And you're, did you, did you go through that kind of stuff? Cause looking back, I can see mm -hmm. that in my youth group and go, gosh, that was not a good situation to be a girl in. But when I was in the midst of it, I didn't yeah. really think about any of that stuff or I was probably like, yeah, no, it's good. Girls could be modest and you know, God will highlight the right girl for me or, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it is a really weird, um, a really weird sort of dynamic because, yeah, I mean, we're teenage girls. We want to feel, you know, we want to feel attractive to guys, but at the same time, we're supposed to be modest and not, you know, put ourselves out there too much in a way that's not honoring to God. And yeah, modesty was a huge thing. Um, you know, and that was probably modesty, like dress and everything like that. That was probably the thing that I held on to the longest, not on purpose, but just 
internally, even now, mm. I still sometimes I'm like, do I wear this because I like it or do I wear this because this feels it feels uncomfortable to wear something else even like clothes that I like more I feel a little uncomfortable mm. still so oh. yeah there is a lot of pressure to um you know because we're you're always told that the you want a really godly man and what is a really godly man looking for they're looking for a super godly woman who you know her countenance shines and she's like you know got all these like beautiful spiritual gifts and stuff like that um so yeah it's a really weird it it is definitely a weird dynamic for sure yeah yeah i mean it just seems like fraught with issues and you're not the first person by any means i've heard kind of say that sort of thing about the modesty culture and 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 things like Mm -hmm. that it's a big deal like way more in america again to some degree i mean it's it's a big deal here in the uk for sure but like in america america i mean i was in california when i moved to america for four years and uh we spent our whole time like anytime there was like some breaks we were like okay it's too hot let's get into a pool and yet all the girls had to like wear like shorts and t-shirts and i was like you're not hot like what what's what's happening right now i'm like this is weird it's like Mm -hmm. i wouldn't have thought twice i mean i was from scotland so i didn't see many girls in bikinis anyway to be fair um but i'd like live with girls by this point i'd seen them like running along the hallway in a towel or in a bikini uh, in a bra and underwear or something like that that wasn't a big deal and so i'm like but you can't have a woman like on any level like be wearing like a one piece or a bikini in case like i don't know again like what's gonna happen here like do people just have no trust in human beings not like ravaging one another and like raping nonstop everywhere and if like a woman wears a strapped top or like what do people think is happening here um it's such a and there's no onus on the guys did you did was that something you kind of picked up on at at that age did you kind of go why the hell is everyone going i'm the problem for dressing a certain way like why is no one saying hey guys just stop looking at girls that way that's not okay like, did you, did you guys pick up on that? You, your girlfriends, like, did you notice that sort of dynamic? Well, I definitely noticed. I mean, I, I definitely bought into all the modesty stuff. Um, but I didn't ever question it. I didn't ever question mm-hmm. it. I just totally thought, well, this is the way that God wants it to be. So this is, this is how it is, you know? Um, I never stop to think oh what if guys just had self-control you know or what if guys already do have self-control and this is not right and we're just making an imaginary issue to just yeah. spend 90 percent of our time talking about <laughs> yeah. exactly so i i think it's really bad for both sides i think that's mm. what um you know it does appear at least in every sort of um way that i can figure that purity culture does disproportionately affect women at least in certain ways Mm. but it's also hard to know if if that's what's happening if it does affect women way more or if men who are affected by it just don't want to talk about it because like for example like the you know i get the little 
the stats on my followers and right. like 87, 87% of the people who follow me are women. Wow. That's so, crazy. I mean, 87% is, I mean, just a, a staggering vast majority, majority. Clearly. Right. Yeah. So, wow. um, but you know, there are certain parts of it that very clearly, you know, women are taught that they are just by virtue of having a body with certain features that's shameful. And then also men are sort of set up to think that they don't have any way to control themselves. Right. Yeah. And so who, I mean, no one's winning. No, no one's it, winning. It's, it's not a good system. Like, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's brutal. It is utterly brutal. And so what, what caused you to kind of start your, your, I mean, are you primarily just Instagram that you're doing? Like that's how I follow yeah. you, but are you, is that kind of your mechanism of doing what you're doing right now? Yeah, that's the main place I'm doing any kind of content. Right. Um, I also recently started using TikTok a little bit. Nice. Because um, Christian TikTok and purity culture TikTok is alive and well. Yeah, so, seriously. Um, you know, so I go over there sometimes and I, um, I'll i find little videos or I'll react to them or I'll make my own things, nice. um, make my own content over there. So yeah, mainly Instagram, a little bit of TikTok. Still figuring that out because um, people over there are horrible to each other. Really? <laughs> the wow. The community is way... Not as healthy it, as Instagram. No, not mm. even close. I have had to take videos down because people were being so horrible to each other in the comments. And I just didn't feel like I could monitor it. Right. And you just don't want to be a platform for that at all. Oh, exactly. I was just like, y'all are crazy. Y'all are terrible to each other. I can't even do this anymore. I don't have time or energy to put into babysitting right. y'all. So I'm just taking this video away so nobody can say anything on it anymore. So, yeah. But the right. way it kind of all started with my Instagram, mm. I actually put a little question box in on my personal page. Um, you know, my pri it's a private account, but I put a little question box on my stories over there and just asking, you know, I have less than a thousand people who follow me over there, just asking kind of, how purity culture has affected my friends who follow me sure and the responses were unbelievable just wow. unreal um so many responses i saved it as the story highlight on my my account and i look back at it from time to time but um i just really um was blown away by it and i just thought to myself you know, this is obviously a really huge problem. Mm. Um, and it's also a huge problem that I don't really see people talking about very much. You know, I could tell that this little question I put out there was probably the first time that some of these people who were responding had ever felt like they had an outlet to sure. talk about it. And I just thought, I mean, that seemed like such an injustice to me. And I'm a very much like an advocate personality. So I just was thinking, what do we do? You know, do we, do I try to find 
some sort of format for like a support group for each other or like what what can I do about mm. this because it just was really you know sticking with me how many people mess you know send me messages or replied to that little question and so then yeah the page sort of just seemed like a very natural and you know low barrier to entry sort of way to sure. start this up so wow so i mean yeah. that's 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 awesome i love i love your heart in that because it comes across as well it, it feels like a i mean i've i've followed your stories and different interactions on the community and stuff and it does feel like a um, well, there's always the, the the people that will come on to pick a fight, like they're everywhere and you can kind of spot them a mile off, you know, like um, sure. Instagram does feel like it, it is a bit more of a kind of safe community for whatever reasons. That's why I spent all my time on Instagram and just forsake all other platforms, basically. Yeah, um, exactly. it, it feels like you've, you've created something there like that really does kind of facilitate that is what what's your goal like what's what's what are you trying to do are you being quite intentional in moving in a certain way are you trying to reach certain people or are, you, are is it just kind of a let's see what happens yeah um it's kind of hard to say because in the very beginning of starting my page i was shocked when i got to like 250 followers kind of like I said in the beginning right. I mean I really just didn't I had no real way of knowing how many people would want to engage with the content that I was making um so I think it has um evolved a little bit you know I've I started it I think it was last October around Halloween last year is when I okay. pretty sure it's when I started it. Um, but I kind of, I mean, I, I could see it kind of going towards more, um, I don't, I actually, someone recently said you should start a Patreon. And then like mm. even someone today said, when are you doing a podcast for yourself? Cause I've been doing more podcasts recently. Right. And so there, I have these ideas of things that I would love to do. Um, but the main thing right now is just, yeah, just keeping that community feel, which I mean, it, to be honest, it's getting harder. I'm not mm. saying I'm like some huge influencer. Um, but I, you know, the more people follow me, obviously I don't feel like I can get to every single DM all the time. Or, Absolutely. I mean, you've got a job. You know, that's like a full-time <laughs> right, job exactly. at a certain point. Yeah, exactly. But I do always want to make sure that like the community feeling is still there because mm. even if I can't get to somebody, I mean, I see people in the comments, like taking care of each other and sort yeah. of like talking to each other, which I think is it's the beautiful. best case scenario. Yeah. It's like yeah. exactly what I want. And I never want to lose that. I, mm. um, I would rather stay small than, you know, get to the point where it just feels like I'm just making content for just for the sake of it, you know, that's mm. really not something I want to do. So yeah, I, I thought like maybe a Patreon or something where we can have even more, you know, people who are really wanting to interact with each other sure. on an even more sort of like one-to-one -one or like group interactions or something like that. 
that I, I would love to do something like that if I can figure out what I can offer to people that is worth right some kind of five dollars a month. I'm sure you, whatever it is. I'm sure you could offer. I, I, you know, I I do so the way I do things uh, for myself, and this is my full time job. Now, granted, I have no money, but um, I do. <laughs> absolutely right. everything for free i'll talk to people for hours on end i spend about five to six hours a day talking to people i put out podcasts well, yeah. for free i make videos for free i write resources for free i wrote one book i give it for free like everything is free and people yeah. still go i'm gonna give this guy five bucks a month and so i think you'll be That's really awesome. surprised if you are helping people the way that i see that you're helping people and the way that you're starting to see gosh yeah people need this and are, are really getting life from it and, and being, you know, acknowledged and seen in their journey and their pain. Like people want to support that kind of thing. Um, whether they yeah. get a, you know, a blog every week or, a you know, whatever, a newsletter, like that's, I think a lot of the time quite immaterial to people. Um, and so I think what you're doing is great. And I think, uh, you, you could do a Patreon quite easily, I reckon. So there you go. And then you can Thank make this you. your purpose and your dream and you live your work and <laughs> all the stuff we were talking yeah, about. Oh, beginning, yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I, 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 I really, I'm really glad you came on. Like, I think like this is such a huge topic and like mm-hmm. you could easily, you could easily do podcasts and have different people on just even telling their stories or get some experts yeah. on in different areas, like different, mm-hmm. I mean, like you, I would love to have you and um, have you come across Dr. Tina Shermer Sellers? Yeah. She is awesome. Uh, she is awesome. We, I think she commented on one of my things last week. I kind of was so surprised that she commented on my thing. I was like a little bit, I mean, I was so excited. <laughs> I was just like, wow, she noticed my account. Like, That's awesome. I think she's so, I think she's so wonderful. And yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, she's really cool. Yeah. I mean, but like, you know, people like that as well. So, I mean, cause you just the mix, people want to hear stories of people mm-hmm. that are like them. They want to listen to an expert talk about, you know, sex and the dynamics it has on our psyche and how we grow and you could have mm-hmm. experts on. I mean, like that would be a good podcast. Yeah. I'd love that podcast. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I would love to do something like that. Yeah, so absolutely. No, it's good. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's yeah, been a real privilege. I'm really, I'm really enjoying what you're doing, what you're developing, what you're growing. I'm constantly sharing your stuff and trying to send people your way. So um, hopefully that, that if that feeds the fire in you doing something more podcast, things like that, I'm going to be very chuffed. Um, but yeah. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for the support. Yeah. I just, um, I don't know why. I just, like I said earlier, I'm just always constantly surprised. Like it still hasn't really, um, you know, totally sank in. Like people really connect with what I'm doing and Mm. I'm, I'm just still constantly happy and surprised and feeling super grateful that people find me and, you know, want to follow along. So yeah do you do you ever wonder if um part of that is growing up within the evangelical concept of women aren't leaders aren't speakers aren't influential don't have as much to say as a male or things like that? Is, is any of that do you reckon a holdover or i don't know i mean um, maybe so yeah it's like you don't um you kind of 
Yeah, I haven't really fully like thought that through, honestly. But yeah, I'm just always really um, surprised when people think that I um, shared some like really something really um, poignant or like some bit of wisdom. Like, but I think I, I mean, this is maybe just. And like you said, coming from the evangelical faith or whatever, you know, women are always taught to kind of downplay whatever it is about them that would make them stand out, you know. And um, again, I'm not like an expert or anything, but, you know, I have gone through a lot. I have a lot of experiences that other people relate to. And, you know, I do have things to say and obviously there are people who really are you know engaging in what i have to say so absolutely well i mean it's it's easy we all we all like beat ourselves up and go ah why is anyone listening yeah. to me or you know we all do right. that to some degree but like i'm like yeah dude, you are like you are blowing up and people are loving it and i tell you i am like this is good stuff when you share something like <laughs> that is good like um you'll see like, i share i share stuff fairly often on my stories and stuff but yeah i don't share that much i share a couple of things a day or something your stuff is coming up more often than not and so um that that's Thank that speaks you. volumes of like what you're saying is there is poignant it is it is very succinct it's, it's really good it's funny as well i think that's a, that's it if you can be funny and bring up a yeah. good point and talk and bring a talking point around a good meme or a funny like you know you find like a mm-hmm. crazy like dating form or whatever like there's gonna be some good mm. discussion on that it's gonna happen yeah um and yeah. so yeah no you're doing a great job uh really really um i'm excited to see where it goes because uh yeah i think we need more content like this more people out there um there's not enough and like there could be millions of people talking about this and we'd still need more people to talk about it i mean it's huge yeah. it's, it's a huge deal it like we said it's like one of the cornerstones of church and so yeah it's gonna have to be a, a cornerstone in people's deconstruction i think i really do mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i see more you know i always get really excited when someone says i saw this on your page and it helped me in a conversation I was having with my friends from back home or my friends I went to Christian Mm. school with or whatever it is, you know, that is exciting to me because I think that is really important. It empowers people to feel like, you know, no, I actually have a a differing belief about this. You know, I've actually evolved in the way I think about Mm. sex and relationships and like, you know, so just giving people those ways of talking about it, I think is really cool and just allows, you know, people to build their own confidence in yeah. how they are deciding to live out this area of their yeah. life. I think that's it really feels exciting. it feels really problematic um, in that the conversations that need to happen with certain types of people are so different than the conversations you can have with certain types of people. And so like you look at someone that's quite fundamental and 
you can say, well, actually I've redefined what a healthy sexual ethic looks like. And, you know, you can look at all Mm -hmm. different things and you can maybe go, well, actually like, you know, if you look at culturally anyway, like what the hell's the Bible saying about what we call marriage today? Anyway, no, no one went on a date until about 200 years ago. That was like the first date anyway. Like, so like up until then people were like selling women. Like, are are you calling for people to sell women? Like that kind of conversation would be a healthy conversation that might move people towards kind of redefining their concepts of what even is marriage and then what sex before that and you know all these things obviously the bible's not talking about that ever because that didn't exist mm-hmm. then that conversation can't happen with a fundamental right they're going to go well point me to the bible verse that says it's okay to have sex like a harlot or you know like a right you know, fornicator or whatever like yeah how, how do you how do you think people can go about having a conversation with that person is there a healthy conversation i mean because it, it's one thing to go well you yeah. just ignore them but it's different if it's like your friends to like your mom or mm-hmm. your your partner or i don't know is it possible yeah. to have that conversation i think one of the biggest things that's important is um you know you may not change you may not be able to just say well, this is what I was taught and this is just wrong Mm. or this, whatever it's for me, if you're in a place of safety with this, whoever it is, um, I think it's important to talk about how it affected you personally Mm. on a personal level, because you know, your, your parents or whoever might not respect your belief because there's this whole there's all kinds of other issues with parents respecting their children's beliefs and and things like that so you may not be able to get your parents to respect your beliefs but hopefully they would listen to you in the way that something maybe something they thought was good like purity Mm. culture maybe they would listen to how it actually has manifest in your own life and um how it has hurt you and how, you know, you're trying to recover from this pain, this trauma, whatever it is. Mm. I think it's, you know, challenging someone's belief or someone's dogma about something, you know, it's usually not successful. Yeah. It's not usually not successful. And then they, will walk away feeling good that they stood in their beliefs and they uh-huh. were a strong Christian and you'll walk away feeling really hurt that, you know, they wouldn't listen to you. Mm. But if you can bring it back to a personal experience and say, you know, mom and dad or whoever, this is, this is the way that this experience in the church or this experience, you know, these things that you taught me, this is how it has affected my life. Mm. And this is how it made me feel about myself. And this is how it's affected my ability to, you know, have a relationship or has brought me into different types of trauma or bad situations I didn't want to be in. Mm. For me, that's been the most successful um, because hopefully if those people in your life, your friends or your family, if they do love you, hopefully they'll listen to that. Yeah. It's a tough one, eh? Because yeah, I think that is the way to go. It's really insightful. I think it's it's a really uh, good way because it's it. You can't argue with someone's experience and how they, how they have been affected, how they interpreted and experienced that, and 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 went through the pain of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's, it's 
yeah it's a really horrible conversation for a lot of people that um yeah that, that are, they're thrown into backed into corners made to have parents especially really struggle with that concept and of course if that's your kind of benchmark for you know being a holy good christian I mean, it all kind of works towards you know be married don't do anything beforehand that like is not you know beyond that line wherever they draw the line is always a bit ambiguous right um <laughs> but like you know like just don't do that and then get married and then we'll be happy as parents and maybe give us kids and then maybe do this and we keep adding maybe a few and but but that's right. such a big deal for parents it's it's a really hard conversation to have i get people messaging me all the time like being cut off from their family over just that conversation or parents going well you just want to have sex that's why you don't even it's not even like you know you just gave up your your faith because you just wanted to have sex or you know or whatever mm -hmm. you know like yeah um and you you can't win that argument it feels is when someone's that rooted in their their fundamental kind of concepts i think the only way is to share yeah that's that's really good very insightful i think that's a yeah. Hopefully a good tip that someone can take away and use. And, and also, equipped. yeah, just gauge safety with different people. Um, there's actually a really um, uh, popular Mormon, ex-Mormon speaker. He was excommunicated, but his name's John DeLynn. Hmm. And he talks about, um, he runs this um, YouTube series called Mormon Stories. I don't know if you've heard of it. I've heard but, of it. Yeah, so it's John Dillon, um, and he was excommunicated for being LGBT affirming. Right. Um, but he talks about, you know, gauging safety with different people and kind of rating, you know, a person from like one to five. Like one being, you know, you could pour your whole heart out to this person, and then, you know, the other extreme, you don't feel safe at all sharing um mm. you know with with whoever it is so i always i always just encourage people to you know you do have to think about your safety if if you're a person who is you know a young gay person still living in your parents home mm -hmm. if you feel that you know you will be kicked out of your home you know don't unnecessarily put yourself in a unhealthy situation you know maybe if you feel you do need to leave get your safety net around you first mm, and figure yeah. out where you're gonna go and what your plan is um because yeah the last thing i i would want and you know i'm an adult on my own now so if if someone in my life didn't want me around i would just say you know okay that's fine mm. But, you know, especially for people who are in jobs or relationships or different things, you know, where there may be a level of safety there that um, could be compromised, you know, don't mm. don't feel the pressure to divulge things that will harm you yeah. until you do feel that safety. That's really good. It feels like that's... Um within kind of the structure of a lot of institutional church, there feels, feels like most people grew up with a need to give an answer for where they're at uh, as well. Mm -hmm. like that. And so, you know, there's this impetus on them, that you've got to be 
clear where you're at and when you're questioned by someone in authority you've got to tell them and you've got to be open you've got to be honest like um, there's that very much that authority thing driven into us and i think that can get mm-hmm. people in a lot of trouble a lot of time um and it, i think it puts this pressure on people as well they, they're terrified of like you know living their life you know so even if you know someone can yeah. be living on their own doing life and being happy and free um but they're terrified to i don't know tell their mom that they've got a partner that they're living with um, because yeah. they don't have the right answers. They don't have the way to explain it in a way that they'll accept them, uh, or, you know, or they're going to be disconnected, like, you know, kicked out of the family yeah. or whatever. Um, and I think it's, it's really hard for us to make that transition from, you know, I've got to respect these authority figures. I've got to tell them I've got to, I've got to be able to argue it perfectly from the Bible and, and make a great <laughs> argument yeah. for it. Um, to be able to just go, I don't, I don't owe you an explanation even, but mm-hmm. I don't, especially if you're a, a number, I don't know which order the, you know, number five where like, you, you're just going to shit all over me, whatever I say. Anyway, I don't owe you anything. We're not having this conversation. You know, right. if you want to find out why it's okay to have sex before marriage, why some Christians think that go educate yourself, type that into Google and start reading. I don't need to tell mm-hmm. you that. Um, but maybe if it's a one, it is a thing of like, okay, let's talk. I'll tell you my journey of how I've, came to that conclusion and whatever and um but yeah it's, it's mm-hmm. that's a big journey in and off itself i think there's a whole mechanism within that kind of yeah conservative christianity that is you owe me an answer if you're going to change your mind about something you need to be able to explain it well and convince me that i'm wrong um right. or you are wrong and you're out um which is terrifying right. really terrifying I mean, that's why yeah. so many gay LGBTQ, you know, whatever end up kind of kicked out of their homes or churches. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. Right. Yeah. It's awful. And just, you know, you ever, of course, everyone would hope that the people in their life that they care about would respond positively, but we obviously know that's not always the case. Yeah. And um, just, especially for young people out there, like whoever may be listening to this, you know, don't, like I said, just don't put yourself in an, um, in an unsafe situation, just in the name of being honest, because you have to, you know, protect yourself as well. Yeah. That's really good. I appreciate it. Cool. Blair, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. So people want to connect with you after hearing this. If they haven't already heard of your meteoric rise (laughs) on Instagram, um, they should be following on Instagram, right? Talk purity to me. Is there anywhere else that you're on right now? You've not started a secret YouTube that's going to go live in the next week or anything like that. I don't know, but I just have the the Instagram and TikTok. If you are on that platform, same handle. Same handle, yes. same handle. So you can find me both places, and that's where I'm at for now. But yeah, nice. definitely would love to connect with people. It's a really cool group of people that follow, and um, just like really, really fun. I love it. TikTok is amazing. I'm I was so addicted to TikTok, and I just I just did this like purge where I've I've come off like my personal Facebook TikTok. Mm-hmm. Anything where I'm just like, I don't have to use this for work. And separating work from personal life is quite hard for me anyway. But anything I don't, yeah. I'm, just like, I'm just detoxing from social media right now. Because I did find while TikTok was like the best of just consumption, 
um the yeah, community scroll yeah, forever oh, forever i i would spend hours on there but um it reminds me that uh, actually i think my first interaction um with your account because i haven't been following you for that long actually so it's only been about a week and mm -hmm. a half two weeks or so uh, my first interaction mm -hmm. with your account i think was a tiktok that i think my sister-in-law sent me um, oh really and that's really funny and it was really random as well because i don't think she's massively following a lot of people in this kind of um world as well so that's really funny that's so funny that. do you but, know which one it was oh I don't I, have I, that many. i'll try and scroll through and find it and i'll i'll, t I'll text okay. you in that, yeah so because yeah <laughs> it's, so it's random um, but that TikTok is, is just, random. it's the jam. If any person is under 25, which I mean, I couldn't think of a more important age bracket for you to be targeting in some ways. Right. And yeah, yeah. as hard as that is, I know it's maybe not the most healthy environment for that conversation. It's probably one of the best places for people to be hearing that message because there's so many, I mean, I've seen so many kind of very fundamental kind of Christian. I, I looked when I was on TikTok initially, I was like, this is a great yeah. platform. I think I could do some stuff on this. I'm like, ah, is there anything Christian on here? Is there anything? I started looking, I was like, whoa, there is some really pretty messed up Christianity on here, but there's doesn't seem like there's anyone on yeah. my page. So <laughs> there was yeah. a few weeks late to it. Yeah. It's really, yeah, it's really, yeah. You're out there forging a new path. <laughs> trying and people are, um, yeah, some people are liking it. All the Christians are trying to dog pile at, at the moment. So. Uh, can you just disable comments? Is that an you option can. on TikTok? Maybe I, think, I think that you can. I think uh, so. It's tough because the comments are great. Like it's good. But when it gets to be I like know. that, ugh. Yeah. I know it's tough. Yeah. But, oh, well. Mm -hmm. Cool. So people need to follow you on Instagram, follow you on Twitter. Keep an eye out for that Patreon. Um, keep an eye out for the well, podcast. TikTok, not Twitter. I don't have Twitter. Oh, sorry. TikTok. Sorry. My brain. Yeah. Got, no, it's yeah. okay. Just... TikTok is long gone for me. When people are like, oh, yeah, make sure people follow me on Twitter. And I'm like, who? Who's, who's still on there? Um, right. But yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed chatting. Good to meet you finally. Yes. Um, yeah, I'll Thank let you know when you. this comes out. It'll probably be a couple of weeks now, two, two and a half weeks. Um, sure. So yeah, but it was really great to meet you. You too. Thanks so much. Awesome. Well, have a good night. Yeah, I hope it's not too late now, is it? Yeah, it's not too bad, about nine or so. Yeah. You've got a bit of the evening left. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, awesome. have a good one, yeah? Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, that was Blair Rabin. Um, I love that chat. I mean, it was fantastic. I don't know if you could tell by the end, I think I was having like a mini stroke or something. I kept getting my TikTok and my Twitter mixed up, but she is on TikTok, not Twitter. Um, even when she corrected me, I then said like TikTok and Twitter in the same sentence, uh, uh, meaning the same thing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it was, I think it was late when we recorded that. This is a few days on. I'm, I'm now adding the extra. Um, but please, you guys, you got to go follow uh, Blair um, over on Instagram is where I'm following her. I'm not on TikTok um, anymore. But uh, on TikTok and Instagram, she's talk purity to me. Um, all one word. She's honestly brilliant, hilarious, um, insightful. 
Um, very, very wise. Uh, just brilliant stuff. Really, really uh, cuts to the core of, of a lot of what we have experienced growing up in, um, or at least I experienced growing up in an evangelical Christian world. Um, and I know a lot of other people resonate with that. And so, yeah, do check her out. Shoot her a message. Let her know you listened to the podcast, that you loved it. Um, I'm sure she'd appreciate any encouragement um, that you give. Um, yeah, I think that's it, basically. Um, as always, check out the Deconstruction Network, a great place to connect if you're going through deconstruction and you feel lonely, if you feel a bit isolated, that is the place to go. It's a huge map of the world. You put your name on there in your town and you can message other people that are in the same sort of area. You can search by radius, you know, you say like 20 miles from Los Angeles, you know, 10 miles from Paris, whatever it might be. And it will show you on the map a whole bunch of dots of people that are in your area. You can click on them. You can send them a message and just kind of see if they're on a similar journey, similar page. Um, everyone's deconstruction is different, of course. Um, and, and from there, you can see where it takes you. You know, um, my hope is that we can start to see people rebuilding friendships and communities um, after losing their friendships and communities a lot of the time uh, is unfortunately the outcome of deconstructing um, when we've been so bubbled into uh, our church communities um, and then kind of losing all of that. And so the deconstructionnetwork.com is a great place for you to head if, if that's been your journey. Um, gracecourse.com again lots of good teaching on there um, always free of course everything on on either of those sites is free um, and as I mentioned earlier at the beginning you can now partner with me on a monthly basis and join our um, private discussion group and have great discussions with with me and others um, so you can always chat to me it's, it's more about connecting with others actually it's more about having this kind of tight-knit community um, that, that's the benefit there but um, we also do monthly zoom calls and things like that and so you can check that out at phildrysdale.com slash partner um, or search for me on patreon and, and um, you'll find that the links are on uh, my instagram bio and stuff if you need um, and always yeah hang out with me on instagram I, I love talking with people helping them through their journey of deconstruction please you don't have to do this alone i am here um, many other people are here. Um, you are not alone in this journey. Anyway, that's all for me this week. I'll see you next week for the next podcast. Cheers.